0: Join us every week for a light-hearted, queer perspective, and a trip down memory lane.
1: Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at Seventh
0: Heaven, a Lesbian Recap. This is a super
2: rare, super complex heart problem, and there's just not, you know, you need to be prepared for that.
3: Oh, my God. Michelle,
0: (laughs) you're salty today. I am salty. I'm very tired. I'm not here for anyone's BS, (sighs) including yours.
1: Oh, my God. And then I just had a serious adult talk with your kids. (sighs) I was driving to your house, and at this busy intersection, I saw three children sprinting across the street with no regard for themselves or each other. Each other. And I was like, who the heck are these? And then I was like, oh my god, I know those kids. So then I waited for them to come home.
0: You honestly should have gotten out and grabbed them all by their earlobes. And, like, dragged them to the car. I should have. And then put them in the car and not let
1: them get Slurpees. But your oldest thinks I'm mean, so.
0: Yeah, well, he just doesn't like that you're strict. Because <laughs> he knows how to play me. Ha <laughs> Um... Yeah, this is, this is the state of my mental health actually is revolved around my kids and how I feel like I'm not doing anything right and, yeah.
1: But don't you think all parents think they're not doing anything right?
0: Oh, yeah, probably. But I, I think right now it's just like exacerbated by the fact that there are so many of them. They're all in different, like, moods, phases, yeah. like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just tired. I'm just tired of like the mom, 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 mom. Like, you yeah. know, and it's like every mom deals with that. Yeah. But when it's coming from five, you yeah. know, like it's just. And you don't have a partner to like. To kind of like, yeah, f- field some of it. Well,
1: I feel like anybody who has kids that is listening to this is like. identify
0: yeah and you know what i don't need i don't need somebody to be like you're gonna miss it one day (laughs) you're gonna miss their little you know things and i'm like maybe look forward to the day you'll miss it right it's like i would love to go one day without all of it we're gonna do it you're gonna get a hotel room oh my gosh sometime in the next month
1: it's gonna be great (laughs) I'm going to have to look for some sort of like pep up filter on this. uh, Sorry, I'm trying to down this coffee, coffee, drink it, wake up, wake up. And also, I'm awake. Sorry. You now started your marathon trainer. Half marathon trainer. Yeah. Who
0: are you? I don't know. A runner. I guess. I guess I'm a runner, but I don't I don't know. I don't feel like it's done anything for me. And now all I think about when I'm running is you saying that my body is afraid and doesn't know what it's running, (laughs) doesn't know what it's running for. So I feel like I have to give it a pep talk being like, okay, guys,
1: you're not running. We're not running away from a bear
0: or a murderer. We're just running because we want to. Yeah.
1: For a little bit of context, (laughs) I read an article that just said running for fat loss isn't necessarily the best for every body because when you run, your body produces Cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and it's a natural response because back in the caveman days, cave lady days,
3: cave (laughs) Cave people people
1: days, (laughs) if a tiger or a fire or a predator was after you you'd have to run and so your body would produce cortisol which like allows you to run Mm -hmm. but cortisol itself is not like a fat burning
0: hormone i just think that article is written by anti-runners honestly (laughs) it was me i just made it up (laughs) it's how i tell myself i shouldn't run you shouldn't run yeah because your life is stressful (laughs) um i was watching the funniest thing um It was just a thing that popped up on my Facebook, and they were talking about the mask debate. Oh, yes! But they kept all of the, all of the clips for like people saying mask debate. But if you say mask debate, no. Over and over
1: again. That's incredible.
0: It's one of those things. Like once you hear it, when do you like to mask debate? Yeah, debate. What is your mask debate schedule? (laughs) Oh, gross! No, mask. You have to really emphasize the. yeah. Mask debate. Yeah. Anyways, I thought that was funny because I'm like twelve.
1: Um, I'm feeling a little nervous for this episode. Why? <clears throat> because we are interviewing my other best friend. Uh-huh. There <laughs> no, I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> there are so many memes that are like like I don't know, that talk about like when your best friend refers to their other best friend. Yeah. <laughs> But it's true. I have like three bestest friends. Yeah. Um. And you're all best friends for different reasons. Yeah. Oh, totally. And for different lengths of time. Length. But it's so funny that like the three of you have such different personalities. Yeah. Like, yeah. You are three of the most different people. Hmm. Hmm. What does that say about
0: me? Yeah. Well, that you just need. You need certain things from certain people, and that sounds weird. Like not in a like.
2: But you know user. what I mean? It's like,
0: yeah. I think that it's probably a good thing because I think that maybe um, if someone has a really close friend, that's all they have. But maybe there's a missing piece that their personality doesn't fit in yeah. one way or another or they argue about something. So if you kind of have three people to yeah. like, you know, get whatever you need from. Yeah. And obviously, you know, give them whatever they need. Like coffee. Yeah. sanity.
1: Here's what is funny though. All three of my best friends know that my love language is Starbucks coffee. Oh yeah. And like when I lost my job, all three, yeah, stepped up, sent you
0: Starbucks products. <laughs> yeah.
1: So thank you. <clears throat> um, but it'll be so funny because like it is so rare like my three best friends run in such different circles like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very rare that all three, all four of us are together. Yes. My divorce party was probably the last time. Yes. And before that, it was probably my wedding. Heyo. Oh, heyo.
0: (laughs) Remember that?
1: (laughs) Um, Uh,
0: Yeah, that was good times. Yeah.
1: So anyway, we're interviewing Rachel and she has like a crazy, she was born with her heart on the wrong side of her body.
0: I just love the pause that you took. Like, she was born? She was born. <laughs> uh, I know. That's incredible. That's crazy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in, in a time where, you know, medicine isn't where, what it is where now, right? Yeah, like, the 80s. The like, 80s. Yeah. Nobody knew what they were doing in the 80s. I mean, honestly. No, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. So, and I think it'll be so interesting to hear, to interview her. I've been excited because, like, I've known her since grade two. So, like, she's just always... Yeah been Rachel to me yeah um but it'll be interesting to sort of like interview her for the perspective of like an audience that doesn't know her exactly
0: let's do it I was just
1: gonna say should I add some pepper to your salt to like mellow you out I don't know what that would mean though because I said you're salty oh I'm salty or oh I should give you something sweet
0: okay yeah
1: to combat all you have is cheese and salami
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm good fair fair okay
1: let's call Rachel okay Rachel! How are you? We just like recorded our little intro and I was like I'm so like nervous but excited to interview you because like I'm like bringing two of my best friends together and we were just saying like how funny it is that like I have three distinct best friends but like all three of you are so different from each other and like it's very rare that like the four of us would have a reason to hang out because we're all so different.
2: I think we've only ever done that twice
1: but then also my wedding
2: right and
0: then my
1: divorce party subsequently
2: <laughs> oh yeah the axe throwing
0: after that <laughs> that was so funny I, or funny fun i really want to do that again
1: i should honestly go into the business of throwing people's divorce parties oh yeah <laughs> um i'm just pulling up so yeah so funny so you and i met just for some context in grade 2
3: yep do you guys have a picture of
0: yourself from back then i want to see. yes i was just thinking that
1: i'm gonna look
0: carling and rachel
1: so yeah we met in grade two how old are we in grade two seven or eight like seven uh yeah seven so yeah in like 1992 we would have met
4: yes
1: and we were you had two braces cute as a button (laughs)
2: And he, and I had them, yeah, my front two teeth because I sucked my thumb uh, horrendously as a child. Um, and I actually, it's terrible, I actually like pushed my front two teeth out because of it.
0: I didn't suck my thumb, but I sucked my finger, my like pointer finger, but I would bend it in half and suck on it. That's my child yeah. screaming. And I did it probably until I was in grade one or two. Oh my god! And there's pictures of me as a baby with my mom, like holding my arm down because (laughs) every single picture, my finger would be in my mouth. But yeah, I was old. And now
1: during these corona times, like I hear things like that, and I'm like, ugh.
2: Oh yeah, get it out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: real. Um. Okay, Rachel. I was so excited to interview you. You kind of have a crazy health story. Yes. In that, like. Inside your body is totally different than everybody else's. <laughs>
2: well, you know how they always say standing in a room with 100 people, but on the inside we're all the same? Yeah. Oh, not. That's not you. That's not me. I'm oh, never God. standing in a room with somebody who's the same on the inside as me. Crazy. Yeah.
1: So So what? when you were born, what is the condition called that you were born with?
2: So the condition that... I was born with is called complex cyanotic heart disease.
1: I um, like how they probably just put the word complex in there. Cause they're like, we don't know guys, this is complicated. <laughs> this is very confusing. Uh,
2: and so it's the complex part. Uh, and then eventually what they end up just calling it is a, just in the end, it's, it's easier to just call it a complex heart condition. Um, because I also, part of that was, I was born with tricuspid atresia, so there's a valve in the top two chambers of your atrium uh, that lets the blood flow through the valves, and I, it wasn't formed. I didn't didn't have that valve. So because of that, my ventricle was underdeveloped, so essentially I didn't have a ventricle. So most hearts have four chambers. Mine only had three at that time. I only had the three chambers, Um, but they didn't didn't know that. So when I was born, I was actually, and this is back in 84, so they couldn't do all the tests then that they can do now. Yeah. So they didn't know. They had no idea when I was born. And I was actually born totally fine. I looked fine. Everything was fine. And then about three hours after I was born, I started to turn blue. Oh. The, I wasn't getting enough oxygenated blood to my body, so they called my doctor, or they called the doctor, uh, Dr. Harder, who was my pediatric cardiologist, uh, and she came in and took one look at me and knew right away something was wrong, this wasn't right, but they couldn't fix it there. This wasn't something that the the hospital. So at the time I was born at the general hospital in the PM, like at 9, 17 PM. And, uh, so they, uh, they, you know, they, they gave me oxygen and it just wasn't working. I wasn't getting any better, which is when they figured that it was something on the inside, not on the outside. So, uh, they had to fly me to Vancouver Wow. Oh my God.
1: There's not even Edmonton. Like they went all the way to Vancouver.
2: They had to go to Vancouver. That was where the doctor was that could do, uh, do my, do my first surgery, which was, so basically what it was is I didn't have that valve and my right ventricle was missing. It didn't, it wasn't there. So when I got to, uh, Vancouver, they, uh, they were able to put what's called a shunt in, so that directed the blood f- to go directly into the lungs so that I could breathe, which was great. So that's I've got the that was the first scar that I ever had, which goes from my shoulder blade just underneath my armpit pretty much right underneath my breast. So that was the first scar that I got. Oh. Uh, and You're then I went home. you being like a little tiny I,
0: baby. Oh, that's yeah. so sad.
2: Yeah, and it's so and, scary for
0: your parents. Oh my gosh, so it, I can imagine.
2: It was uh, actually it's a really kind of it's funny because my mom, my my dad, I I was I have an older sister who is fine. She has no, I mean, she's allergic to everything under the sun and can't breathe. <laughs> but other than that, she's totally fine. So my mom ended up like I had to actually take the Learjet to Vancouver. The oh, hospital fancy! Van. Yeah, I don't remember it, but apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I have no memory of that so you know but uh they so my mom came my mom came the next day because she was still like she couldn't just fly off she just had baby. Yeah. so and my dad couldn't come right away because you know we haven't they had another child that they had to look after of course so when my mom got off the airplane uh my great aunt who has since passed she lived in Vancouver and my mom ended up staying with her and My great aunt told me once she said, you know, I expected your mom to get off the plane and just be a basket case because, you know, at this point they are telling my parents, you know, she's not going to survive this. Like we we want her to, we're going to fight really hard. She's a fighter. We're going to do everything we can, but you need to prepare yourselves. This is a super rare, super complex heart problem. And there's just not, you know, you need to be prepared for that. So my, my aunt was expecting this basket case to get off the plane. And my aunt said to me, she said, your mom got off the plane with a backpack and the most determined look on anybody's face I've ever seen. She didn't even want to go to the house. Aw. to the hospital and just. The moment I she just walked got in chills. House, That's so. Like, yeah, she was just amazing. a rock about it. Like she just, you know, and then, and when they, you know, when they originally told us what had happened, my mom was really good about, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And I guess my dad fainted. Oh. <laughs> so oh like gosh. you know so yeah. it, was, it was you know and that it was great so I and I didn't spend too much time at the hospital which was really nice I got to I got to actually go home pretty I think I was only there for about three days before I got to go home for the first time so um, oh. that was good um but unfortunately, yeah.
1: So sorry, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or jumping back, but like all of your organs are on the wrong side of your body.
2: Right. So that <laughs> is. Did you know that <laughs> I don't yes. know if this
1: is news, <laughs> and they're <laughs> facing the wrong way or something.
2: Yeah. So that is called and versus totalis. Mm. Mm. So the totalis means the heart as well. Some people can have just have and versus, which is everything but the heart. and versus totalis is with the heart, and I they figured that out when. Uh, they started doing echoes now that on its own isn't really a problem like it, it so
1: they didn't know after your first surgery they did they know your heart
2: was on the wrong side oh yeah they because they did echoes and stuff so they knew oh way, right, i way that, that that things were not right and then i because of that i also have um dyskinetic cilia syndrome which means that, so cilia is another word for like the hairs on your lungs, but it's also in your ears and your nose. And so kids who have, who are born with that have lots of earaches, lots of ear problems. They cough really bad, uh, because the hairs are supposed to move all the, uh, all the junk out of your lungs. And so it's almost like having at like really bad asthma without actually having asthma yeah, um, and like chronic colds and, and ear infections and stuff like that. But when you have the dyskinetic cilia syndrome, it, it's usually coupled with and versus. So you normally, Oh, that's interesting. Together. Yeah. So when they figured that out, which was pretty, pretty early on um, for the, for like when, when you and I met in grade two, I was still using a puffer at that point because my life yeah. was still developing. So now as an adult, I haven't used a puffer in, Oh, gosh, I don't know 25 30 years. Like, I it's oh been a my God. Long, is that, long time. Is that
1: why we bonded because we both had puffers? <laughs> I,
2: was, <laughs> no, yeah, no, I didn't like... need to bring mine to school.
3: Oh, <laughs> I only needed no, mine. not bad for you, <laughs> No, no,
2: no, no. You had a different style of puffer, yours was for when you moved and could. Oh, breathe. mine was just in the morning to help clear really the junk it. out of my lungs when I woke up. <laughs> so once i got moving i was okay but uh yeah so that and that's a really common uh that's that's to get cytosin versus with it is quite common so and again cytosin versus and cytosin versus totalis on their own are not they're they're not they're not all that risky because you still have everything you're supposed to have yeah
1: in the, like, in the wrong For like, spot like so you're like your liver your kidney your appendix like everything is just on the other side
2: yeah and I don't have a spleen oh oh. I, I what does a spleen, spleen do so do a spleen need, you as you an it? adult it doesn't do a ton which is why you can like survive without your spleen oh. um, but as a kid it, it acts as uh it acts as almost like a penicillin like your spleen helps you from getting sick oh wow okay Oh, so that's so interesting. Without I, so I was just put on different medications as a kid. Yeah. To help because I didn't have the spleen. So, but again, as an adult, lots of people have their spleens removed for various reasons, and it doesn't. It's not because you built up antibodies when you're when yeah. you're an adult, yeah. and that's what essentially keeps you from getting sick.
1: And so you have so living
2: in COVID times.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and so you have the surgery. You're a few hours old, a day old, day old, yeah. And now, now that you've had the surgery, is your prognosis better? Or are the doctors like, okay, so she's it, fine?
2: The doctor Well, they knew I wasn't fine, but they thought it they were like, this is, you know, she's stable, she's right, stable. right? Okay, she's stable. Again, I'm I'm first generation, so there are a few people I don't know how many, and I don't know about the states. I have no statistics on the states whatsoever but I know like Canada wise there are people older than me that have very similar conditions to me but I am considered first generation so right they still told my parents you know we we just don't we just don't know what it's going know yeah. how like as she grows what's going to change we just you know we're not we're not 100 sure which was you know still better than she's probably not going to make it. That's yeah. you know, a step up, right? So I, yeah, I got home. Um, and then of course, because I am so lucky by March 17th. So I came home on February 29th on March 17th. I uh, got the flu.
4: Oh, oh and you're in just the like,
1: not even, oh, yeah. I'm that is terrifying.
0: Oh, that's so scary for a tiny baby to get. Yeah, And so did get you get like the that. flu
1: because you don't have a spleen or like, was this just a free,
2: uh, just, just a freak thing <laughs> just god, i just got the flu like just it. i just got sick and then and luckily i was only in the hospital for 3 days on that one and got to go home and then that was on march 17th april 9th i suffered congestive heart failure and was back in the hospital oh wow my god, god. So heart failure so that was and then your I poor got, parents I know, oh i can't I know, imagine i know my i i know they uh, so sad i can't like as a kid it I mean, especially when you're only, what, three months old. Yeah. It doesn't really affect you because I don't have any memory of that. But, yeah. Yeah. My sister yeah. spent a lot of time with my aunts and uncles. Oh, <laughs> My parents were ferreting me back and forth from the hospital. and Yeah. But by – so by night, May 9th, 1985, so I'm just over a year old, basically what had happened is I started to turn blue again. And they realized that, uh, again, I wasn't getting enough oxygenated blood because – I was growing and I was crawling and I was becoming a child and so I needed more oxygen and I didn't have it. And so oh. they had to go in and do the same surgery that they had done previously, the shunt, but yeah. they had to do it on my right side this time. So again, so now I have a mimicking scar going from the top of my rib or the top of my shoulder blade around under my armpit and under my breast. So now I have the two on either side.
3: Wow.
1: It's so interesting. Cause I'm like, I'm sure you've told me with like, I've seen your scars from like swimming classes, you know, like I've, and so, but I, it's always just been part of you. I've never thought like specifically this one, what was this one for? Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. so interesting.
2: Well, I'm, I mean, my, I've got, you know, three nieces and you try and explain any of this to them and they don't get it. So yeah. I don't know who said it. I don't know if it was my mom or my grandma or my aunt. I can't remember who said it the first time they said it, but it was probably my mom said, well, you should just tell kids that you were born with wings. Because Aww. they're exactly where, if I had wings, right on the shoulder blades, where they would be. So to this day, my three nieces still say that. At some point, they're going to figure out the best. <laughs> <laughs> right now, it's, uh, one day, I, I keep expecting one of them to ask me to come for show and tell. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. No,
1: no. My God. And so the first first year of your life, you had had how many surgeries? Three?
2: I had had, no, I had had two in the first year. So both of the shunts, the right and left shunt. And what's that? Hospitalized four times.
1: And so was, I find it so interesting to think, like, so was your mom's pregnancy typical? Was it like?
2: Yeah. So after she got pregnant...
3: Yeah.
2: Or sorry, after she had me, uh, at one point, her and her mother sat down and went through my sister's, her pregnancy with my sister and her pregnancy with me. And like, there was no difference. There was no, there was nothing that my mom did. There was nothing that my dad did. There was nothing environmental that was different. We lived in the same house. We lived in the same neighborhood. They had the same friend. Like nothing was different. My mom didn't smoke. She didn't drink. Nothing was different. And, and
1: she didn't experience anything different that maybe in hindsight would have
0: been a red flag?
2: Nope, no, nope. She had a perfectly normal pregnancy. My heart just didn't develop properly in fetus. And, and
0: were you born um, on time or early or late?
2: I was six days late, I believe. Okay. You even late.
1: had extra time to work on that ventricle. <laughs> yeah,
2: right? I'm just super lazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Stop. laughs> I was just and like, I'm oh. done, I'm good. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was just and even the like the doctors don't actually have any idea. So right now the leading cause of death in infants is heart failure.
1: Right. Wow. And I don't
2: know why. Like because nobody in my family and extended family has heart problems. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. not genetic. It's not something. And I mean, I, because of this, I cannot have kids. Uh, they they told me, they told me from a very young age that if I did, I would either, I probably wouldn't carry the child to term because I don't feel like I have enough oxygen for me. And right, right. For a, yeah. but not for a baby. And then if if I did carry the child to term and was able to deliver, there was a very good chance that that child would be be born with a lot of problems because they didn't get enough oxygen oxygen, um, developing. So they said, you know, odds are you won't pass down your genetic, you won't pass down your heart disease. Yeah. But a child that you, any child you have, if you would, and the chance of even making it through the pregnancy, so rare yeah it's just not you know and i i like being an aunt, so i was i'm okay with that like yeah yeah
0: i I find it really interesting um the fact that you were born like in 84 and obviously there wasn't um the technology that we have now you know to do the in-depth ultrasounds or things like that um but like you were saying a lot of the issues with with fatalities and infants now are still heart disease. And actually three of my kids have a bicuspid aortic valve. Yep.
2: Um,
0: But it wasn't caught until my um, youngest boy. So my boy twin was probably six months and went to the doctor and they heard a murmur. So it wasn't caught um, in the ultrasounds. It wasn't caught at birth. Him, his twin sister and his older brother all have it. And none of them, None of, none of it was discovered until like quite late. That's crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and some, some problems develop after the baby's born and then it just doesn't grow with the child or, you know, I, I had a doctor once tell me that all people have heart murmurs. It's just whether you catch them or not, some are fine, some are not, but it's, you know, and I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to have a problem too, I think the heart is a good organ to have issues with because you can literally take it apart and put it back together with pig valves and yeah and yeah cow valves and mechanical valves and still make it work like they you can puzzle piece that heart back together and make it work repeatedly over and over until you finally can't and then right you are, you yeah transplant or something but it's I mean you can't puzzle piece. The kidney or the liver or the pancreas right yeah you can't puzzle piece those together but so i guess if you're going to have an organ fail on you the heart's probably one of the better ones
1: (laughs) Mm, yeah and so 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 from your parents perspective like what was caring for a baby with your condition like
2: uh i stressful i imagine (laughs) Uh, pretty stressful uh it was it was tough because especially back in those days as well. Um, And it was, it was so rare that people didn't want to have me like trying to get into a daycare was very tough. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Uh,
2: One, because well, as somebody, Michelle who has children knows that there's germs everywhere. Oh yeah. I couldn't get sick. So, you know, my parents had to, we actually grew up with nannies because, trying to get me into a daycare was really hard with all of my health problems. And then trying to make sure that I stayed healthy. So it was just easier to have somebody stay, come and live with us. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't exposed to all that. So, you know, because both of my parents worked and wanted to go back to work. uh, Yeah.
1: I can't knowing your parents, I can't picture either of them being like staying, stay at home parents.
2: No, my mom stayed at home. So my mom stayed at home with me for the first year, I believe. Uh, but I don't think she did with my sister. She went right. She went right back to work. If I'm right, like within six or eight weeks. But with me, she stayed longer just because wow. there was so much. There was so much to do, right? Like there was just going back and forth from the hospital yeah. and trying to get it all figured out, and and then you know not just after one years old, I'm going to that second surgery again, which luckily that that second surgery was in uh edmonton so the second one didn't have to go all the way to vancouver which was good because the third surgery ended up being in uh vancouver
1: so what uh, was the third no
2: toronto the third one was toronto Toronto. yeah that
1: was you're just a jet-setting
3: toddler traveling right
2: but i'd already i'd had two other uh so before they even did so that was the Fontan in nineteen eighty-seven, but in 80, I had two other surgeries in eighty-six.
1: What's a f- oh what what happened in eighty-six?
2: So what was happening was the shunts that they had put in to my body were not growing with me properly. So they did what's called a triad balloon dilation, which is they stick a balloon in the shunt to try and expand it so that there's more blood flow so that I can get more oxygenated blood, but it didn't work. It was unsuccessful. So they just treated it with medication at that point. And then because of the um, cilia syndrome, of course, I had all the ear infections. So I had another surgery done on both ears where I had tubes put into my ears. Oh, yeah. Brain. And then by 87, I was just I I wasn't getting enough oxygen at all like I just it wasn't working so we had to go to Toronto where they did a fontan procedure
1: and what's so a fontan
2: a fontan is where they stuck a tube in between the two chambers of my heart to help the blood flow from the eight, the two a, uh, atriums better
1: so oh my just, god. god
2: so the, and that one is that one they had to actually crack the chest. They had to open the sternum up. Crack the chest. Oh,
1: is that where your big scar came from?
2: That's where the big scar came from. Yeah. That's oh. the, one. So I was, I spent my third birthday in the hospital. Uh, oh. For that one, and it that was the that was the big one where that was the open heart surgery. That was the right. first Open heart surgery that I had. Yeah. And
0: oh, so- I I just couldn't imagine being a heart surgeon like and seeing this little tiny body yeah working on these little kids would be and you know like I mean the pressure and the stress and you want to save these little kids and it's just so terrifying like I mean the heart has got to be one of the most complicated organs and to I feel like any slip-up would just be deadly right so it's just so scary
1: do you ever look at your youngest niece page and do you ever like it's just mind-boggling because she's almost three isn't she she's two
2: she's
1: she's three and a half oh oh boy yikes so she's three and a half
2: so by my by her age I'd already had four three surgery four surgeries wow wow five surgeries by her age yeah well when and they're she just
0: was so little like just like picturing you at that age is like a little tiny thing like
2: and I was smaller than her she's actually quite tall for uh,
0: yeah you were a really but, little kid
2: she had um when she was born my sister was having an at-home birth and when she was up in her room with the doula or the midwife or whatever she uh the midwife came down and said, we're calling 911. We're going to take your sister to the hospital because there's something wrong with the the baby's heartbeat.
3: And
2: I, my, my stepdad, Eric was sitting outside in the backyard and I had anxiety. And I remember stepping out into the backyard and I just started shaking and
3: crying.
2: And I said, there's something wrong with the heart and I, she can't, it's not fair. I don't want her to go through what I had to go through. And so and he said, you know, it's it's probably nothing. It's probably nothing. And, in, in fact, it, most likely they said she probably had her fist around the umbilical cord. At yeah, all yeah. At all because Paige is fine. But I still remember that moment walking out into the backyard and just my whole body was shaking. Oh, uh, no. Geez. Please don't. Not her. It's not yeah. Her. So I was very grateful when she was born and was is totally fine so but yeah i can't like i look at her and i think oh i feel so bad for my poor parents like, yeah you know, <laughs> yeah I to go through all that and again it, it was easy for me because mm-hmm. as a kid you say mom i'm not feeling well dad i don't feel good and then they take over yeah they take yeah for you they call the doctors and they make sure your medication is up to date and they take all responsibility and you watch television and drink ginger ale and you're like yeah fine and then it's it's totally fine because you're a kid and who cares and so yeah yeah well
0: and your parents are always you know going to make you feel safe even if it is a scary situation they're going to make you feel like everything's going to be fine and you're going to be okay so you don't have the fear that they would
2: no they're very and and my parents especially were my whole family was really good at you know, lots of people have asked me, what what was it like to grow up with this heart disease? And I said, well, you know, what was it like not to? Because yeah. I yeah. Had it. But I got in trouble. I got grounded. I fought with my sister. I, <laughs> uh, like I did everything. Like my childhood was I played sports. I did crafts. I like, obviously, I went to the hospital more than any kid I know. But it wasn't. I don't look back and go. It was Like, I was in a bubble. I wasn't. My parents never put me in a bubble. They never, you know, there were certain things that I couldn't do because of my heart problems, obviously. But from the ages of about, well, from 1987, essentially, until 2001, I was was good. Like, I was stable, and I was good. And I had a, a few things that I had to have done that had nothing to do whatsoever with my heart. I had I had like a lump on, in my leg that had to be removed and a, a piece of skin under my lip that had to be removed. like small little things that just didn't matter. So when I look back, I think, you know it, other than I couldn't I couldn't run as fast as the other kids. Oh darn. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, I, uh, I knew that I was different, but it didn't, it didn't really affect me as much until I was about sixteen, which is when my heart started to fail.
3: Oh wow!
0: Very
2: quickly.
1: Well, so. can we back it up a little bit yep. and talk about how you're a celebrity at the Children's Hospital? Oh,
2: <laughs> well, so there's something called a a uh, catheter, so it's, um, you do a, uh, so they, they stick a, a tube, not a tube, they stick a little, I don't know what it's called, catheterization, it's a cardiac catheterization, where they stick a tube up the inside of your groin, with a little tiny camera on the end of it, and it takes pictures of your heart, because somebody with, that has my heart complications, or that has the inversus and stuff, Echoes are tough to see what's going on. They're just not as clear as they'd like them to be. Yeah. So these are just a better way of seeing what's going on with the heart and and stuff. So, And I've I've had many done, and I I still have many done, and I'll have many more done. But uh, they wanted to do a video. They wanted to do a movie about it so that they could show other people what it looks like, like from start to finish. So I remember having to pretend – to, um I didn't really have to do much in the beginning and then they put me out which they didn't really they just said oh we're going to pretend to put the mask over your face and your mom's going to be holding you and then we <laughs> want you to fall asleep and I'm a terrible little actress and so I'm trying to pretend to like be all groggy and fall asleep but I, I think I was trying to do it like a Disney princess and like very dramatic and So I remember them having to do it a lot of times. They're like, no, no, just close your eyes. (laughs) Okay. And And then they were like, and when you wake up, you have to pretend to be really groggy. And I was like, okay. And again, terrible little actress. But it was only supposed to take one day. And it ended up taking two days. And the only reason I know it took two days is because my dad had to wear the same tie the second day. Oh. Because he had to the continuity. Like the continuity right and he was really bad about that and I don't know why oh my god <laughs> he didn't want to and they were like well no you have to and he's like I don't want to and I don't know why that sticks out in my head but he really wanted, he really didn't want to wear that tie so I remember I remember that and then afterwards after the movie and they used that I don't know they might even still use that today I have no idea but they used it for years if not still
1: I love um, that. Where did I see it? Did you get a copy of it? Did you I, have a co- it I have a
2: copy of it. It's, a, it's, I, it's on a VHS, but what? I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I have, I have a copy of it actually. It's because uh, uh, I keep saying I'm going to get it converted to a DVD, but I, yeah. I to do that. So
3: I, I have, love that.
2: I have a copy of it. Yeah. So it was, and then afterwards we got to go to my cardiologist's house who lived in a big mansion on the top of nose Hill for a party. And I can, I don't remember her house at all, except that her foyer was the size of like my entire upstairs. Floor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can remember. Cause it's just so big. And so, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did that. And that that was pretty fun. Like I, I got to do that. And then I also got to do the radiothon, the very first uh, country 105 radiothon. Uh, oh, yeah. This was after my, my last, this was after my last heart surgery, but it was uh I remember telling the doctors, you know, I said, I'd, I'd really love to meet Paul Brandt one day, I think, because he, Paul Brandt was actually my nurse when I was a kid at one point. What? Uh, what? I, yeah. So Paul Brandt was a nurse before. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. At the children's hospital. And he used to do concerts for the kids. Oh. So my mom remembers quite vividly, uh, like putting on little mini concerts. In, That's before so came.
4: funny. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah,
2: yeah, so when uh, they did the first radiothon, uh, I, I I showed up, and it was it was awful. Uh, they didn't tell me that he was going to be the one interviewing me. Oh, uh, so <laughs> I got to meet him, and the first question they asked is, you know, you're trying to raise money for the hospital. they we said, well, you know, what's it like having spent so much time as a kid in the hospital? And I I'm not even joking with you. I said, oh, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> A good way to get money, Rachel. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh, but you know, if you have to be at the hospital, this is the one to be in.
0: <laughs> Give us
2: your money! <laughs> yeah, yay! I could just see my mom wherever she was, and my dad shaking their head, going, "Yeah, that's our kid." Oh, oh that's my god! So funny.
1: Let's go to two thousand one. Okay. You said you suddenly went into heart failure.
2: Well, it wasn't heart failure. So, in two thousand and one, which was. Uh, so I was I was 16 years old and when I woke up with what I believe was the flu. That's what we thought I had, and it. But my heart was racing, and it wouldn't it wouldn't slow down. Oh. And what ended up happening is um, the 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 Fontan was essentially breaking down. So and at it would at one point it would go 300 beats a minute. Whoa. Oh, my God. So essentially, at that point, your heart is humming. Yeah. And so I was – I couldn't – I don't have a lot of memories of that time because they put me on a lot of drugs. One of them, though, was if I stayed outside in the sun, it would – I would tan blue and fade to a lovely gargoyle gray. (laughs) Oh, my my gosh. (laughs) I know. Really, it was a really difficult time because – if I overexerted myself in any way, uh, that that's what would happen. My heart would start to flutter, and it was because the blood was going from it was going into the ventricle, that or into the atrium above the non-existent ventricle, and it was pooling. So it would squeeze, but all the blood wouldn't come out. So basically, it was acting like a balloon. It was starting to expand. Oh wow! wow. And so. You know, we we started talking about what is it that we can do because the only way to stop it when it would happen, I would have to go into the hospital, and they would they would have to put me out, and then they would have to shock my heart with paddles back into rhythm. Oh. So I actually have a burn mark on my chest from it. I think oh my I think god! It was a total of six times. In oh my god! Oh. Like it was really tough between you know and the drugs, the drugs helped a lot. They really did. Like I remember they told my parents that I needed to stay as strong as I possibly could because they didn't know what was going to happen. So they helped yeah. me to keep my strength up. So I actually, my dad would take me swimming in the mornings and I would do laps with him. And as long oh, as I oh. stayed slow, as long as I didn't try to do sprints, as long as I just tried to keep my heart from going too fast, I was okay. So everything I did just had to be really slow.
3: slow, Yeah.
2: Right. So, uh, but that, that's not exactly a forever plan either. That was a right now plan. And there was, there was a lot of, uh, discussion about what to do and how long to keep doing it. And there was, you know, put a pacemaker in and stuff like that. And there was all this discussion and there was one, there was one surgery which would have been version with a maze procedure. Now it had been done a couple of times in Canada, but the doctor in Canada who could do it was not comfortable doing it on me because he'd never done it on somebody with my heart complications. Wow! So he said no. Um, so, <laughs> Hard pass. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, thanks. And, but there thanks. Were, you know, reason. so the they, I ended up going to Chicago for it. But if you ever go to states for a surgery. A band-aid is twenty five dollars. Oh so my it's so god really, you know is gonna was gonna cost my family, not just my mom and dad, but like my family who was gonna have gonna pitch in maybe, probably, hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even a million dollars. wow Like what? so much money and we can't afford that. So because this doctor he said no he wouldn't do it. It was the only reason that Alberta healthcare stepped up and paid for it. Wow. I decided this would be the best option, even though it was the riskiest option. So my, my odds of coming off of that table alive were very slim. Oh, wow. Very, very slim. So when we got to Chicago, I met his name was Dr. Mavrudis. uh, And, The night before the surgery, he asked me if there was anything he could do for me. And I said, well, I'm not allowed to eat and I can't go home. So what exactly is it that you think you can do for me? He he was like, fair enough. And I said, oh, there is something you can do for me. You can take a picture of my heart. He said, what? I said, this thing's been plaguing me my whole life. I want to know what it looks like. And he's like, okay. So nine hours later. It took them. It took them nine hours Ugh. to do this surgery. And at that time they also so they what they did what's called a redo fontan or a fontan conversion. So what they did is instead of having the blood flowing between the two chambers, which is what they had done back when I was three, they they took the atrium that was failing and they shaved it down so because it had expanded so much. And then they so. Basically, they made it unusable. Yeah. And they wrapped a conduit tube around my heart to act as that atrium instead. And that can't expand. And it's so that's that was, and then they did also a maze procedure, which is where they go in and they freeze, if I remember correctly, they freeze parts of the heart so that when the electricity from your heart goes from one atrium to the other, it kind of pinballs. So it oh. slows it down. So it helps slow slow it down so it won't flutter. But they still decided because of, because now I'm down to two chambers. So half a heart. Yeah. Wow. They decided to put a pacemaker in as well because they said, you know, all the help we can give her would be the best bet. So yeah, right. Uh, they also stuck a pacemaker in me as well. So that was another one where they had to crack the chest and open me up that way.
1: And was that at the same, was that in Chicago at the same time as this other one?
2: Yeah, they did the pacemaker and everything all at the same time.
1: Did you get a deal? Like it was like a three for one?
2: I have no idea. (laughs) You know, with this, with this new procedure done, because it is quite new, we can't really say one way or another, but as long as the other half of our heart stays strong, we should be okay. Like for the foreseeable future
3: yeah uh, mm. and
2: I did get my pictures actually he did the last mm. day I was there he showed up with my pictures of my heart
1: and you have heart. it framed in your living room right yeah they're on my wall yeah <laughs> oh that's so cool yeah they
2: have it framed on my wall they, they they're they're kind of gross actually
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't know what it is until you really look at it and then you're like is yeah. this abstract art and you're like oh, that is my <laughs> so, heart
2: that's an that's art <laughs> my heart. So, yeah yeah uh, people are like why do you have that and I was like I don't know you have pictures of your kids uh, yeah. Whatever. Like I don't know. <laughs> Why not? It's kind of gross. Actually, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this isn't helpful at all. <laughs> this is this is not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> they were like, well, what were you expecting? I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. But yeah. They're like, yeah, this is this is your heart, and I was like, oh, it's kind of gross. They're like, yeah, well, you wanted it, so <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, uh it wasn't quite the clarity I was, I was looking for. <laughs>
1: you're basically like you're alive, you're okay, but you're, you're on med, like you're on medications, right?
2: Yes. So I, I take blood thinners because, uh, any help, like my blood's too thick. It's harder for my heart to pump it. So blood thinners. Also, I had a TIA.
3: Well, uh, what's a TIA?
2: So a TIA is, um, I guess best way to describe it is a mini stroke. So, uh, I had, I woke up my right arm, you know, when you fall asleep on your arm and you wake up and it's all tingly, Yeah. but it, the tingles didn't go away. Oh. Uh, and so I went into the hospital and because they can't do MRIs because I have a pacemaker, they, uh, this, they, they said that it, it sounds like I had a mini stroke. So I needed to up my... Warfarin, which is my blood thinning medication. I'm also on blood pressure medication, mostly just because high blood pressure is hard on anybody's heart. Yeah. Let alone somebody whose heart is only half there. Yeah. So I'm on blood pressure medication. And then they also uh, put me on uh, antidepressants when I was 18 because, you know, you can only go through so much of this trauma I guess yeah before you know and, and again like I said when you're a kid it's kind of more your parents trauma but the older yeah. you gets the more it becomes your own right now all of a sudden if I don't feel good I can still call my mom and my dad and tell them and I still do but now it's up to me yeah yeah to the doctors I've got to figure out what's wrong I've got to I'm the one getting all the information firsthand and instead of it going through my parents can then filter it down to me in a very fun, happy way. Because yeah. Right now it's delivered to they don't sugarcoat it
0: anymore. Yeah.
2: <laughs> not, not a whole, I mean, I've got great doctors, which are fantastic, but I mean, again, because I am the, one of the older generations, they are also starting to see a lot of problems. So mm. I just found out a year ago that I'm in stage two liver failure.
1: Oh, wow. And that's because they couldn't really predict from the medications you were on, they couldn't have predicted, you know, 30 some...
2: It's not from the medication. It's from... Oh, what is it from?
3: Oh. my heart is
2: causing congestion into my liver.
3: Oh, wow.
2: And so, and again, because they've just sort of realized that this is happening with cardiac patients, FOTAN patients, they they don't know how long I've had stage two liver disease. I could have had it for 10 years. I could have had it for two years.
3: Yeah. They don't,
2: they don't know. So they don't know how quickly it's progressing. So, but what that does mean is that if it, if it's progressing faster, if it's, if my liver is deteriorating faster than my heart, then I'll need a liver transplant, but they won't do a liver transplant without a liver heart transplant whoa what and so are you
1: on a donor list now
2: no because i'm too healthy right and are you going for
0: like annual checkups or more often than that
2: i do blood work for my liver every six months okay i have my pacemaker gets checked every six months uh and i see my cardiologist once a year and now i see a liver specialist once a year And my kidneys are doing good, so I don't have a kidney specialist as of yet, but that is another thing that is starting to, they're starting to see, basically, they're starting to see organ failure. Right. You know, you can only put so much stress on the body.
0: Yeah, yeah. Before
2: these things happen.
1: And it's so interesting because, yeah, like back in 1984, they just like, there just wasn't that data because if you were born in 1974, you probably wouldn't have lived, you know, like it's. It's yeah, so interesting the consequences
0: of it all.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I guess the, the the good side of it is, you know, children who are born now, they know, okay, if we do this, this is what the outcome is. But I, I remember talking to my doctor and saying, like, well, I guess it benefits, like, the younger generation. She goes, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. Because that being said, if you were born tomorrow, we'd still have to essentially do very similar surgeries.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask that with the advances of medicine, like, you know how you were saying that things were starting to fail, right? So your shunts yeah. were not growing. And yeah. so would they know that now and would they check it more frequently? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. They would
2: check it more frequently. They would. And and now they can, you know, the, the, the data is a lot better now. They also can actually look at the baby's hearts like if I was born today or if I was, you know, if my mom was six months pregnant today, they would be able to check the heart and recognize something is wrong.
3: Right. Right. Yeah.
2: Which yeah. would yeah. because and because of the way our laws work now, my mom would actually have the option of terminating the pregnancy. Yeah.
1: Right. right. That's so like that's such a wild Yeah. You know, because like who knows if your mom had that option. You know what I mean? Like you just I asked don't my dad
2: know. that asked my dad that once I said you know if you had had the option what would you have done and my dad has always been very blunt very honest and you know and he he looked right at me and he said I am so glad I wasn't given that option wow whoa and that's what he said and I said does that mean because you would have you have terminated he said no but I I can't imagine the fear yeah when you were born we hit the ground running
3: yeah, because you didn't right. know, like, ignorance is kind of bliss in that
2: yeah. way, right? Like, yeah. But there would be that, there would be that moment of going, do we want to bring a child into this world like that? Is yeah. That yeah. Thing that we, that's going to have lung problems. That, yeah. That I also have two left lungs. I don't what? have a right lung. I have two left lungs.
0: So. Is there like two left feet, but you have two left <laughs> I lungs? don't know.
2: I actually have no idea why that matters. But they're like, yeah, you have two left lungs. I was like, okay, is that, they're like, yeah, it's just weird he wasn't saying that he would want to terminate the pregnancy. Not at all. He was just saying that he can't imagine having the choice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I think anybody who's honest with themselves would go, Do we want to bring a sick child into this world. Yeah. And, you know, in the end, yes, would be the decision, but there might be that millisecond of, yeah, I don't know that uncertainty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I'm just glad that we didn't have that option.
0: And to kind of sit in that uncertainty for months, right before the baby's even born to kind of put that stress on your mind that you don't know what's going to happen. And what should we do? And and are we going to be able to provide a good life for this baby? You know, that would just be so incredibly stressful. And I mean, pregnancy is, is hard enough, right? Like you, you're always worried about everything. So that would just yeah. be so hard. Yeah. It
1: would. You know, you're really young, you're in your mid thirties and, yeah. you know, it, like, it's just waiting. You just wait until a time that you're eligible to be on a donor list.
2: So basically, yeah, that's, so I, I went and saw the transplant team. Yeah, a couple of years ago maybe about four years ago now I think three or four years ago and because I wanted to know what what does that look like you know because I am such a complex case is it even an option what does that look like and I I met with one of the top transplant surgeons at the foothills Hospital she was lovely they said it would be difficult for sure because of the way I'm designed and it would take a lot of planning and it would be you know and a, a uh transplant is essentially just trading one disease for another. It's not a cure. Um, but at this point in time, which was four years ago, she was like, you are too healthy to be even on our radar.
3: Right. So,
2: you know, I, I'm i happy to have met you, and I hope I don't see you again. Yeah. For a very, very long time, or at all. But, yeah. But uh, you're so... I mean, in one side, you're like, oh, that's fantastic. I'm I'm too healthy to be here. And on the other side, you're like, so basically, I'm just, I'm just waiting for my organs to fail.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, and I, and I said that, I I said that. And my dad, again, said, well, honey, we're all just waiting for our organs. (laughs) And I said, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I was like, that's, I mean, that's actually really true. That's like, you know, we we're all, and we all don't necessarily get the option of a transplant. We just get old.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Brings you back down, right? Yeah, <laughs> he does. Like he does. On, on when we were going to Chicago, I remember sitting in the airport. My whole family was with us: my mom, my dad, my stepmom, my stepdad, my sister. And I remember at one point I was sitting in the chair in the in the uh, waiting to lo- get on the plane. And this was after nine eleven. This was this was in November of. Two thousand and one. Oh, oh yeah. wow eleven, wow. right? So uh, and I remember sitting in the chair and my dad sat beside me and I said to him, I said, Dad, I don't wanna do this and My dad looked at me and goes, I don't either And I said, Okay And he's like, All right, let's go. Aww. <laughs> and that was you know, he, he also he has this he has this saying my dad used to always say, Well it's a long way from your heart and he got hurt, right? So, yeah. Long way from your heart and I said, I you know, I don't want to do this either, but it's a long way from your brain. <laughs> oh, really say my art right? So yeah. he's always been really, really good at, uh, you know, bringing me, kind of bringing me back to reality a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Yeah. I mean, he's always been, you know, he's always been really good that way. And then my mom's been that one that, you know, I, I, I pity when, like in 09 when my pacemaker got infected. I felt so bad for those doctors because I had to deal with my mother. You <laughs> don't want to piss my mom off, oh. Debbie. If you're listening to this, we love it's terrible. You. Like my mother's terrifying. She's so logical. She's just so smart. Yeah, and she does all her research. And she's so calm.
0: I think that's got to be kind of typical with any parent who has like a medically fragile child. You need to educate yourself so you can advocate for your kids, right? Like yeah. you really need to know what is going on and what the options are and what the risks are, um, you know, because you hear about that all the time where doctors are making decisions that the parents don't necessarily agree with because they feel like they know their child, their instincts are, you know, what they are and they just want to, um, yeah, just do what's right for them. So it, yeah. it makes and it- a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, my and I've I've gotten I've gotten really lucky. Both my parents, my sister went to school to become a massage therapist. She's now a social worker, but at the time she was so she knew the body really well. So, you know, she was also really knowledgeable. When the doctors would talk about something, she understood it really well and was mm-hmm. kind of able to explain it back to me in ways that made sense. Because yeah. some doctors, most of my doctors are great, but some doctors. Uh, they're they're geniuses which means their bedside manners is not awesome yeah (laughs) Yeah. and so they they tend to talk above you sometimes yeah and and so it was always really good because she could understand them yeah and then she could turn around and and say to me like okay this is this is what's happening in 2009 when my pacemaker was failing they told me I had MRSA which is a staff infection, which is apparently a really bad one. And my sister hates coming to the hospital. So I'm sitting in the hospital all by myself, and my sis- and they, they tried to, I don't know who they tried to call, but for whatever reason, I got a hold of my sister. And they said, you know, your sister's got MRSA, and she's all by herself, and somebody should come here because she's going to die. Oh, God. So my sister shows up at the hospital in, like, a jumpsuit, like because apparently it's highly contagious. She walks in, oh. and she's wearing, like, this jumpsuit. Yellow jumpsuit. She sits down and she says, She's looking at me and she's like, Hey, I just thought I'd come to visit. And I was like, So I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. like, you are in like a CDC jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> you look like you've been crying and you're at the hospital. Yeah. Um, so oh, I'm geez. dying? She's like, Well,. <laughs> she was really sick was like, okay <laughs> I'm not feeling like, any confident yeah so like, and then and then my dad comes in in the same suit and I was like oh no this, this is bad <laughs> and then two minutes later two doctors walk in in like regular clothes and they're like what are you guys wearing and they're like what they're like a doctor called us and said that she had MRSA and she was dying and they're like no what she's very sick, but she's not dying
1: yeah oh geez so, so who told her that you were dying
2: I have no idea I've never oh, actually my. asked her that I, I don't know who called her yeah because I was still trying to get over the fact that like I guess at this point I was so sick from the infection of my pacemaker that I could barely get off my bed by myself like, yeah almost, it was four months three surgeries of hell. like it was yeah. the worst. in my memory to date it's because I don't remember being as a kid, it was the worst. It was just such a, such a hard time with, uh, with that pacemaker change. It was awful. And they did everything wrong. I went to the, I went to the emergency room three times and they sent me home the fourth time. My husband had to pretty much carry me. Like I was, I was not well, I was. And so I don't know who kind of jumped the gun on that, but, yeah, they, uh, they
1: told my dad and my sister that that I
2: shouldn't be alone because I was dying. Oh, my away. God.
1: Oh, jeez. Through all of this, you know, one thing that I admire so much in you is, like, your sense of humor, your positive, shiny, upbeat, you know, look <laughs> on life. And, like like, do you ever, do you sort of attribute that to your parents and the way that they raised you? You know, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people wouldn't have gone through this
3: with such poise and grace
2: i think i think um i mean i think to be totally honest a lot of it is quite is is a bit of a front uh because obviously walking into a room to go axe throwing for your friend's divorce party crying because my heart i have a heart problem isn't gonna win me any friends (laughs) <laughs> I'm probably not going to do that they're like so, Who
1: this debbie downer <laughs>
2: right this, this is what i'm saying like it's you know it's not but uh so i i think like when i'm when i'm around people and and stuff i try and you know i also try and make it that i i am a person with a complex heart disease i am not a complex heart disease right
3: yes yeah
2: so there's there's more to me than it. Unfortunately, yeah. some of those things are anxiety and depression, which are also super fun. Yeah. But uh, they, um, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with I have really, really good doctors, and so up until this point, like up to date, whenever I have had anything go wrong, they fix it. Yeah. And so I believe, you know, maybe not at – Four o'clock in the morning when I'm having an anxiety attack because I have a sore throat and think that I might be dying of something. Yeah. Well, right now it's COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I just I truly believe that they'll keep fixing me. Yeah. Because if they don't, then I die. Yeah. And that's. But I, you know, I don't. That's not really fun to think about, so I just keep thinking, you know, up until this point, I have no reason to believe that they can't keep fixing me.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: And and so and then, I mean, sarcasm's my friend. I'm, yes, I'm, yes, I'm same. <laughs> great, great with the sarcasm. So it also, and I, it also helps put other people at ease, right? So when they hear about my story and everything I've been through, one of the things people do. And I'm fairly certain Michelle's doing it because this is her first time hearing it is, what a miracle. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
2: And not, this is not anything against either one of you, but I hate that. I hate it. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm not a miracle. I am the product of amazingly smart people. Yeah. I'm the product of my friends and my family getting me here, getting me through my bad days, with me through my bad days. And so I look at that and go, okay, so then my job, you guys have done all this hard work. So my job is to advocate for the fact that just because you're born with all of these problems doesn't mean that you have to live like you're sick. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, but I mean, that's taken me a long, a long time to learn. The more... The older I get, I think the harder it gets, because I also know the older I get, the more the the closer my organs are getting to failing.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: So, and that's you know that's on me now. Like
0: that's,
2: yeah, it's a, like I get to steer my own ship in a sense. Yeah, but yeah. It's and to also, advocate
0: for yourself.
2: Yeah, and yeah. it's it, it's it's tough because it was really nice when I could just say, I'm not feeling good and then go back to bed and let mom and dad worry about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then I could just be like, well, they'll fix it. Yeah. But now as I get older, I start to realize it, it's a lot harder to fix it than I originally thought. Uh-huh. Yeah. a lot of work. And so, you know, I try not to, I try not to dwell on that too much. And I guess, a part of that is the fact that I have such great doctors, and you know, when I got the news about my liver, you know, I had a couple of people tell me they're like, "Oh, I, I'm so sorry," and I was like, "No, this is the best news we could have gotten because I could have been in stage four, yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah, Not to have had a, 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 tra- a transplant like now, yeah, like stage two is I can live with stage two liver disease for the next twenty years, yeah, wow, That's good news. So it's also trying to find that good news yeah in between all the you know all the bad news and and I think because of it too it's really helped me I have an exceptionally good relationship with both of my parents yeah both of my step-parents um I have a really good relationship with my sister I also go like I have met some really extraordinary people I've met some extraordinary doctors um I also when I did get sick back in 2001 I lost a lot of friends because it's one thing to have a sick friend it's another thing to have a sick friend yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that's tough right mm-hmm. so I lost so the friends that I have I know are ones that when I get sick again are still gonna you know they're still gonna be there to help you know take care of my dog when he has to be at the hospital yeah I value that a lot more than I did. I think than than some people do because yeah. I've had to lean on so many people. And yeah. I, I mean, the other one is I, you know, they always told my parents, you know, she's not going to be able to live on her own. She's probably never going to hold a full time job. She's still, even though she's okay, she's not okay. Yeah, she's, she's okay for her. Yeah, but for anybody else like her, she's not. And so. I mean, I think my mom and my dad really had to recognize that it's some like I might be living with one of them for the rest of my life. Yeah. Terrifying thought for them. <laughs> <laughs> Do
1: you think they rock, paper, scissored it? They were like... <laughs> I, oh, I, think my, I think my mom lost that one. I think I'm
2: going to be with my mom forever. So, you know, kudos to my stepdad, because that, that's 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 something, yeah. He just walked right into that one.
1: <laughs> well, um, you really did I, sort of like beat those odds because you're, you're a homeowner, you're married, you've... Yeah. You know, you've worked in a bunch of different jobs and I, have,
2: and, I, I, and that's, you know, when I talk to people other, you know, when I talk to some other people and I, you know, I say that I say, Oh, I, you know, I do, you know, it sounds really strange, but one of my biggest accomplishments is I, I did get married. Yeah. And so I met somebody who literally looked at this entire situation and went, yeah. I can deal with that. Yeah. I can, I can handle that.
1: He literally and signed up for this. <laughs> he,
2: he, he did, right? Like, yeah. I did not. And everything from this point on, I did not sign up for. This is, this and neither did my parents. But, like, he actually totally signed up for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I guess this is what uh, this is what we're doing, hey? And Yeah. I mean, it's still, I, I'm sure it's hard for him, too. But it, uh, you know, it, it also really makes me appreciate the fact that it's you know that there, there are people who, you know, go through things like, you know, I I always think to myself, I think I was I was born this way, this is my normal. As 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 weird as that sounds, this is my normal. So yeah. having chest, having pacemaker changes, I I was born with all this, so it is it is my norm. And yeah, how normal it is. Whereas somebody who lives thirty six years and then gets cancer, yeah, or gets has a heart attack or has high blood pressure and had something happen, like their whole world changes. Yeah. And I think at least for me, my whole world has been about what's going to come next.
0: Yeah. I mean, you definitely were blessed with the best family. Yeah. To deal with it. Right. Like it sounds like your support is so incredible. And the fact that your parents um, are obviously remarried, but everyone seems to just kind of come together and be like, we're always going to be here. Um, this is just something that they're always going to have, you know, they're always going to have you in their life to support and to be there in the hospital and to do all those things. Like from the minute you were born, I think that's so incredible.
2: Oh, I, I can't agree more. I, I also just, I feel so bad for my parents and my who <laughs> also did not sign up for it. And we're like, yeah, ah, yeah. here we go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> i that. Oh, so, Oh, well, friend, yeah. thank you for agreeing to let us interview you. You're
2: very welcome. Thanks for wanting to interview me. All right,
1: have thank a good day. Thank you so much.
2: Talk to you later. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye
1: guys. Michelle, hi. We just interviewed my other best friend, and you guys didn't fight over me. Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love Rachel. She's great. I love her story. I mean, it's so inspirational. And I
1: got goosebumps. Like, I even know, though so I knew I. the story, it just. Yeah, like, to hear it all together like yes. that, just...
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely got goosebumps a few times, too, because, I mean, and you don't have to be a parent to know, like, to feel it, yeah. but, like, as a parent, you know, you worry about your kids all the time, and just to know what her parents went through, like, or not to know, but just to kind yeah. of, like,
1: well, even partially like, understand
0: yeah. what her parents went through is just incredible. Yeah,
1: like, I'm thinking of, like, your twins, who are almost four. Yeah. Like, sending them off to surgery like I just can't yeah
0: and we we have a family member too who had to have heart surgery at a young age like oh. I think one or two and just that is just it's too little it's a so little and you know I was talking about that girl Kiara like yeah her daughter has had I don't even remember how many heart surgeries yeah. but so many spent you know collectively over a year in the hospital Ugh. and uh, it's, it's just, so sad. like my kids have broken their arms and I've been yeah you know, worried and stressed out or you know, just to have a medically fragile child like that, yeah, it takes a certain kind of parent to like, you know, put on their cape and just yeah. like, you know, just do it, just go, yeah, just advocate for their kids and get things done. So, yeah,
1: yeah, I've always been so inspired by like Rachel's. I don't know, is tenacity the right word? Like, yeah. she just, I mean. Mm-hmm. even the other day she was like, yeah, I wasn't feeling really well. So I called my doctor and, you know, we thought, Oh, it could be my liver. Oh, maybe my heart or my pacemakers failing. Oh, yeah. maybe.
0: And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I would just be in a panic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I thought it was interesting when she was talking about her parents, uh, in 2009. So she would have been well, like 24 or something yeah. in the hospital and, you know, them being there and playing games yeah. and stuff like that. But I think in their mind, they still picture her as this tiny yeah. girl, you know, that, that had, I don't know in the hospital bed kind of like it probably just gives them all these memories and fears but like we said they have to kind of push them aside and yeah be there for her and comfort her and be like everything's gonna be fine you know yeah probably go cry in the bathroom because that's what I would do
1: (laughs) I know it's so like to be yeah to be the age we are now and to think of kids that little yeah um her parents are great we went and visited her Mom and stepdad in BC after we did Tough Mudder. Oh, nice! Um, and like Keith and Rachel were with us, and we got there and they put little chocolates on our pillows. Aww, and then that's in the so morning sweet. we woke up and they were like had the espresso machine out. We we're making lattes. Oh, that's so they're cute. so nice. Yeah, they're so nice. I
0: think it's kind of interesting that you had, you know, that you've been friends with her for so long because as a kid, if you have a friend who is going through something medical, like I remember having friends yeah. who had to be in the hospital for a long time, but you don't really think about it the way it really is. You think like, Oh, I'm going to send them a card or the class is going to get together and send them a card when really they could be, you know, in critical condition. And you're just like, Oh, my friend's not here for a little while, but when she comes back, it'll be fine. You know? And
1: yeah, I have memories of like, well, being in elementary and like, for some reason I would go to her house sometimes before school. Um, and then her and I would take the bus together, but there was a couple times that I would go there and her parents and her would leave, because they had to go to an appointment and so I would just stay at the house and then go to the bus from there and like you know um
0: but it's probably just like yeah I was just like
1: oh that's Rachel I don't know like yeah so interesting yeah very um so guys as you know because we talk about it nonstop, we are on Patreon yes um we can basically be found anywhere at I did not sign up for this so Instagram Facebook TikTok and Patreon um so give us a follow And if you want more content, um, you should sign up for our Patreon. It is five or eight dollars a month. And you get all sorts of stuff. You get two bonus episodes, which are usually like our juicier stories or our true crime stories. Um at the eight dollar level, you get a sticker and a pin Mm -hmm. and a business card. We got business cards and we threw them in that package.
0: So cute.
1: Um and a video every month so we do ridiculous videos yeah um with such titles as what's in my mouth
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think we got to do a new one i mean it was good but like i think we got to step yeah, it up we a can notch. step it up
1: we can step it up
0: i think we need to be a little bit more mean to each other <laughs>
1: oh okay so we want to thank some of our new patrons starting with Rochelle B Macy H Charlie Christina R Joseph G, Victoria C, Danielle W, Amanda S, Shauna F, and Jen M. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thank you guys so much. We honestly like, we appreciate it so much because it's just, it's one extra bonus way of supporting us. And, uh, and we kind of
0: love doing this.
1: Yeah, doing the bonus stuff is really fun. And, um, you know, your girl's unemployed. So,
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, we're going to send you good vibes because you have an interview coming up. So So I don't want to
1: say too much. Don't want to jinx it, but we'll see. We'll see. We will see. Um, Or you guys get a
0: job. You're amazing.
1: Go. (laughs) Well, I mean, plan A really is can this podcast just take off enough that it's my
0: job? Oh, that'd be incredible.
1: Yeah. And then plan B is the lottery, plan C is to get a job. (laughs) Get a real job, and Plan D is I don't know. Somehow, if you, my sister, and Devin could come up with enough money to pay my wages, mm-hmm. I could just, I could just help. I don't want to say. Well, I could homeschool your kids. You could be a
0: mother's helper.
1: Well, I Which picture sounds so
0: creepy, but yeah,
1: I just picture myself getting a little bus, driving all the way to North Calgary, picking up my sister's kids, stopping to get Huxley, and then heading out to you because you live the furthest south <laughs> and then homeschooling them and and would you
0: homeschool them on the bus?
1: I mean, listen, that might be the musical component. Well, yeah. Your kids would miss out then.
0: Why? Cuz they're No, not I would do it at your
1: house. Oh. <laughs> no, we'd end up at your house.
0: Oh, I see, I see. So every
1: day you'd have like a nine I was picturing at your more house.
0: like the Office episode where they're working on the Oh, bus. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We could. I could do unschooling. That's very trendy oh, very, right now. very, very, very trendy. We would yeah. go like hiking. We'd learn about stuff.
0: What do you know about stuff? I don't know.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm not qualified for my Plan D, but I'm just throwing out ideas here. All right. Um. Let's uh, carry on with our day. All right. Bye, we'll talk everyone. to you later. Bye.